Hey, y'all. Real quick before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to share a little bit about the content that's going to be discussed. I have been saved by grace, but my story is one that has a lot of sadness in it. And so I just thought it would be appropriate to put a little bit of a trigger warning and, you know, let you know if you're listening now in your car with your children or something, this might not be the most appropriate subject matter for anyone who may have experienced any kind of substance abuse or sexual assault. Just please know that that is a big part of my story and what God has saved me from and plucked me out of the wreckage from. And so it is a big part of my testimony and just thought it would be appropriate to let y'all know before we got into that today. So thanks for listening. Welcome to the table where three women of three generations are navigating together how to pursue God as father, Jesus as Lord, and spirit as shepherd through every stage of life. It doesn't always look pretty, and it's never perfect, but we're always aiming to sharpen each other as iron on iron. So sister, pull up a chair, settle in and get ready to grow with us in today's episode of The Iron Women. Welcome back to the Iron Women podcast. I'm here with Erica, Lauren, and I am Deanna. And our last podcast, I was able to share some of my story with you. And that's what we're going to continue to do today. We're going to hear Lauren's story and what brought her to this place of ministry and the podcast and all of that. So before we do that, though, uh, we have our connection question. And here it is. And I think I know Lauren's answer. (laughs) What is one thing you are very excited about right now? Oh, yeah. Hands down this podcast. (laughs) She's just a little giddy. And mic drop. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Mic drop. Moving on. Okay. Um, Erica. I would say, come gosh, on. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if there's, this sounds so depressing. I don't know if there's anything I'm like new on the horizon. I'm excited about. Yeah. Um, podcast. You too. No, I'm a, excited about yeah. this for sure. I was trying to give it something different. Okay. Yeah. Than what she said to not just yeah. work on the same thing. Um, I'm we just kind of more enjoying because I've been so expected yes. of the season this I'm season. in right now for literally years yeah. with the person I'm married to. Yeah. So to just to kind of sit and soak like, and not constantly be like, all right, I'm ready for the next thing. Yes. So yes. not there's anything wrong with it, but I'm, I'm right. currently getting to live in the thing I've been excited about for forever. Yeah. Of yeah. marriage. So. I feel that. I feel that. And she doesn't have a Disney trip date on the agenda. If I did have a Disney trip, I would. That'd be my answer. That would be her answer. You know, so, anyone yeah. want to come and offer to take me? I'll yeah. be fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> she can plan your trip. You know, you just pay for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, excitement for me would probably be similar. Um, so mine comes a little bit more. I think one of the things I get excited about is when we see our son again. Um, because we just, we just miss him. He's such a unique aspect to our family. And where is he? He's in the Marines. And so, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, I don't know. Just say Marines. 
the Marines. Yeah, he's stationed close by. It's drivable. So um, he is able to come when he gets what they call 96. That's a four-day weekend. He yeah. can drive home and be with us. So, um, yeah, I just I just look forward to the next time he comes. And um, I just I just like my life right now. I mm-hmm. look forward to like the next pair of shoes I get. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm a little shallow that way. Yeah, um, I look forward to Saturdays every week. I'm like, yeah. praise it's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm excited! I lost ten pounds. Ooh, I'm and excited that I lost ten pounds too. I know. Yeah, you know, it's January. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. They're losing. My wedding weight. rings are back on my hands. Yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah, the wedding bands have made yeah, it back. Yeah, that on. was my first goal. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, um, let's let's just turn it all over to you, Lauren, and we just want you to share your heart. Um, it's it has been a joy getting to know you mm. and your story. You are you are truly a as we all are mm. a miracle of God. Yeah. But Amen. just seeing how you're fleshing it out now in your life. Well, that so, is definitely what I am yeah. doing is fleshing it out and figuring it out. So go ahead. Um, yeah. Uh, well, um, I kind of have the opposite story <laughs> of Deanna growing up in a uh, ministry home. Um, I was born and raised in New England, um, and I was raised in the Catholic faith, but we weren't practicing or anything like that. We attended church on Sunday just because culturally it was something that everyone did around us. Uh, and my dad pulled us out of church probably right before, uh, like Catholic confirmation because all that weird stuff started happening in the Catholic church. My dad was like, yeah, no, we don't, we don't want anything to do with that. So we ended up stopped going to church altogether. And that was in my early teenage years. So Jesus was about as celebrated in my house as Santa Claus, only Santa was way cooler because he brought you presents. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that was kind of um, my upbringing. So I didn't know that there was a like relational aspect to Jesus. Um, I knew of him. I knew who he who he was in relation to like Bible stories and stuff, but um, we didn't we weren't having regular conversations or anything even close to it. It was literally just something that we did on Sundays. So there was no gospel. Um, New England is just kind of like that in, in general. It's just a really spiritually drier place. Um, I've actually just recently read some statistics that it's one of the most unreached people groups of the United States or unchurched, sorry, Unchurched, unchurched people groups. And so um, yeah, that was kind of crazy for me and pretty confirming yeah. about some stuff. So yeah, that's where I grew up. Um, so I didn't really enjoy the place that I grew up. I mean, I grew up in a loving family and I always felt cared for and loved and taken care of. Um, my childhood was actually a, a pretty darn good childhood as far as privilege goes. And we grew up on a lake up in New Hampshire. So summers were amazing and everything else. There was just something, you know, now I know there was just always something missing. And I always, I was that weird kid that asked all the big questions about uh, like, why, why do you think we're here? You know, I literally like, uh, I'll get into my story a little bit more, but um, I got into drugs pretty early on, but I literally remember sitting in a room, like after having just smoked a bunch of pot and 
like sitting back in my chair and going, what do you think the meaning of life is? (laughs) So introspective. (laughs) Right. And everyone was like, shut up, Lauren, you're being weird. (laughs) So I always killed the buzz. Um, Yeah. So that was, you know, I've just, I've just always asked questions that other people thought were really weird or really odd. And, you know, now I know what I know now that about just being chosen before, even before time and that God had me picked out and knew before that he would give me faith to believe. And so that has been a part of me my whole life. Um, I just never realized it until I was actually saved. So yeah, growing up, um, New Hampshire was great, except there was just something that was missing. So back then I always kind of attributed that to the place rather than something internally. I always just kind of thought that it was, I lived in a small town and it was just too small for me. And if I could just break out of this town that I would find the happiness that I was longing for or the belonging that I was longing for. Cause I always struggled with friends and everything else. So I ended up doing really good in high school. Cause I had one goal and that was to get good grades so that I could get a scholarship to anywhere that I wanted to go. And so uh, I did end up accomplishing that and moved to Florida, uh, attended a college down there. Uh, that was like my dream from when I was like 12 years old. So check, like dream accomplished. And I just remember something like snapping internally when I got to Florida. It was almost like the one goal that I had for my life, which was just to get out of New England was done. Hmm. Like what else was I living for? (laughs) So, um, I felt really empty inside of that. I felt way over my head and out of place in this like major, huge university. And so I just started really like wilding out, (laughs) um, just trying to, with everyone, when you have that size of a void in your life, you search everywhere to try and fill it. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I filled it with everything. I mean, I searched high and low. It's funny. This is like something that I encourage like parents who have wandering children now with, uh, because I know better than probably (laughs) the majority of people that you can search this whole world high and low, and you will never, ever, ever find anything that will satisfy you the way God does. Uh, because I've been there and I've done that. Um, men, drugs, uh, career, school, accomplishment, like all, all of it. I've, I've done all of it and nothing came close to Mm. like touching what it, what it feels like to be Mm. filled with the Holy spirit and saved for the first time. Um, so yeah. Anyways, uh, in Florida, whiling out, going to all sorts of crazy parties, putting myself into all sorts of different kind of predicaments and ridiculous scenarios that I had no business being in. I just always, I lived so recklessly. Like I just, I was the party girl that the party girls were like, yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> like, you scared the party girls. Yeah, exactly. They were like, mm, I don't know about that one. 
Uh, and so that, that was me, you know, I've always been passionate. <laughs> never lacked for passion. Never, yeah. never. Um, yeah. So that just put me into, in some really precarious situations. Like I, I think back and I'm like, I really should be like dead or abducted or like something. Right. I just, it was stupid, stupid. But, you know, God has a plan for each one of us and in his mercy saved me from each one of those situations. Not that bad things didn't happen to me because of those decisions. I've, I've had a lot of situations like bad situations happen to me. Um, I've been assaulted many times. Um, and it's just, it's just in my story. It's a part of my story. And it was I was just making really reckless choices, you know? So help, help me understand. So you went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, you did four years there. No. No. Okay. <laughs> so kind of like you you didn't fulfill the whole no. college dream. Nope. Got to, got to okay. college and then and that was my check. And so I actually only lasted one semester. Okay. Yeah. And I, was, yeah. <laughs> I was going so, so <laughs> overachiever. I was going so off the walls at that school. Um, I knew even in that, I was like, this is bad. <laughs> like I need my mom and dad to like know what's going on so that they can like rein me back in. Cause I don't have control over this. Yeah. And so I actually do remember calling my mom and being like, mom, just yell at me. <laughs> she was like, mm, how about I do one better and pull you out of school? Yeah. And so I've, I've never like used language like that with my mom before. So she was pretty worried pretty quickly. Yeah. And they were already in the process of like selling their house and following me to Florida just because most of our family had moved there anyways. And so it just kind of like made that process, uh, go a little bit quicker. And yeah. So they ended up selling the house and coming back home. And my mom pulled me out of my university and brought me to just a small little coastal town in Southern Florida where I moved in with my dad while my mom continued to work in New England um, while the house sold. And so being with my dad, man, he was just, he was working a lot because he had just gotten a new job down here. I was a adult. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so they were going through that whole transition of allowing me to become an adult and, and letting go a little bit more. And so I just started partying even more. I just continued the same, uh, same old thing, uh, worked in restaurants and drug use is always just a huge thing. And most restaurants across the country, I'm not sure that I know of any that are super healthy, but Uh, the ones that I happened to get into were not. And pretty soon uh, met my demise, my ultimate, and got addicted to pain pills. Mm-hmm. I had always just been like a recreational drug user and just like because it was fun on party days and, um, you know, weekend warrior sort of a little bit more. But <laughs> uh, I, I was never like chemically dependent on anything. Mm-hmm. And so was introduced to pain pills and that was my kryptonite. And I got hooked to those things so dang quick. I think it was the first thing like partying was like, it was making me forget like all the pain that I was in, but pain pills made me numb. Mm. And I could like, I mean, I was just for the first time, didn't have to think. When you, when you say pain, 
you're referring to internal emotional mental pain. You're not referring to physical pain. So the actual pain pills is what I was. So I was addicted to opiates. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, when you said I it masked definitely, the pain you yeah, were in, you're was, not referring to that you were in physical pain. Right. No, okay. this was all mental, emotional, um, just inner, inner turmoil, inner, yeah. I would say. And it just, those things just make you a little bit unaware and fuzzy and numb. And so for the first time I experienced like not being mm. under the weight of that, yeah. you know, Escape it was, from it. yeah. And it, it was a counterfeit and obviously, you know, it just kind of sucks you in and hooks you in. So I experienced, uh, addiction and everything that goes along with the life of addiction. Um, they became my identity, my identity. They controlled every aspect of my life. They dictated when I would go to work, when I wouldn't, um, who I would even date, who I wouldn't. If I could get something from them, I would date them. So can you answer this question? Because I know some of us that haven't had that background, I hear that statement a lot. Mm -hmm. Addiction, lifestyle, everything that came with it. Yeah. Without getting, making you go down detailed roads, what does that mean? Like what? What is that? Yeah. So there is definitely a difference between like using medication for what it's used for and abusing medication. And so I was abusing medication. I was taking two to three times the the normal recommended dose every time that I would take it. And I was taking it like around the clock every two to three hours. And when you are chemically dependent on a substance like that, your body physically withdraws if you don't have it within a certain amount of time. And so when I would come up on that, like, I mean, even sometimes two hours, you know, you get that initial rush from the drugs and then it only lasts so long. And then when your body starts coming down off of that, when the drugs are leaving your system, your body starts to withdraw. And so you get real sweaty, you get hot. So all, all the stuff. And so you do everything that you possibly can within your power to not experience withdrawal. And so, and that is such a powerful fear in you that it drives just about every decision that you make is when I'm going to get my next high, when I'm going to get my next hit, where it's going to come from, who it's going to come from, how I'm going to get it the cheapest so that I can then afford more. And, you know, it just, it's consuming. It consumes. Who's funding this? Well, <laughs> because I've, I've heard it's very expensive. And so it is, how do you fund this? It is very expensive. I actually ended up uh, getting myself into a little bit of trouble with payday loans. Okay. Uh, my mom and dad had to bail me out of that. Once I came out of addiction, um, I was in uh, some, some deep water with okay. that. Uh, and so I was getting payday loans. Um, I actually got to the point where um, I was being with people, men yeah, for, okay. for my substances. Okay. Um, so when you are in this phase of life, yeah, the addiction yeah. phase, yeah. did everyone in your like immediate circle know Lauren is in this or was it a secret and people didn't know? Yeah. Great question. I think everyone had their suspicions because it is very hard to mask the symptoms of it. Like, uh, I was probably, you know, from the outside looking in, I probably looked a whole heck of a lot like bipolar, like highs, mm. lows, up and down, uh, all over the place. I slept all the time. So 
And my mom, looking back, has told me she had her suspicions, but I was such a good liar. Yeah. I mean, I could tell a story like the best of them. And I just swore up and down, like, no, mama, I would never do that. How could you even insinuate that? I mean, it was, it's, mm-hmm. it's an evil, dark influence. Yeah. It okay. is very heavy and it is, it is very much all consuming. So yeah. yeah. In the pits of it. Um, and obviously like my circle, like all of my friends, um, just a part of it is you alienate yourself. And so all of my friends were all drug addicts. So, okay. and, and I only hung out with drug addicts enabling each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, cause like I said, even the party girls, like even the friends that I had before when I was just like recreational, even they were like, mm-mm. Like you're into some bad stuff. We can't, yeah. we can't hang around you anymore. I remember being devastated by that too. Like what, how could it, you know, cause I'm mm-hmm. so blinded by it. You know, like I knew that I was addicted, but I was like, it's not that bad. Like, come on guys. You know, like I function fine. I go to work and you know, and so I could not see the forest through, through the trees for the life of yeah. me, you know. And how long did this time period continue? Yeah. So God had a ton of mercy in my life. I know that this is not everyone's story and I'm so thankful, but it, this, this, of uh, my actual chemical dependency, like addiction right. period was only seven months. Wow. But I had recreational been using and partying for about three years. Okay. So it was in my addiction and my knack for putting myself in precarious situations uh, that I found myself facing like the darkest moment of my life. This was towards the end of that seven months period. I had gotten absolutely wasted. I was staying at a friend's home and a man had broken into the house and it was one of the neighbors and he ended up um, raping me that night. And mm-hmm. so in that situation, in God's mercy, I don't remember details or, or anything like that. Um, but I woke up, like I came to with my friend's boyfriend, uh, like screaming and yelling. And I just kind of like came to and saw him like beating up this guy in the room. And so I didn't even had realized what had happened. And so in all of that, they explained and we called the police and the police came. And meanwhile, I mean, I'm like a full on addict. Like I, and I actually had harder stuff than what I usually use that night in particular. And had drank like, I don't even know, like 12 or 15 beers, just myself and taking these like harder pills. And so, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a day and so I had to go to the hospital and, and go through all of, um, all of that. There was a full on investigation and through, through that hit a very, 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 very low point in my life. Uh, I ended up for two months after this whole thing, while the investigation was happening, not leaving my home. I was, not only was I like, I mean, I was, I was afraid because it just was a very traumatic experience, but I was also disgusted with myself. Mm. You know, there's a whole bunch of different things that go into sexual assault, um, and rape in general and like blaming yourself and not understanding it and, and everything else. Um, I've come a long way and kind of processing through all of that. But in that time, I just wanted to be invisible. 
Like I just wanted to disappear. I, I remember my poor dad took me to go get my hair cut because I was like, I want, I want to go get my hair cut. And it was the first time that I had said that I wanted to leave my house. So of course my parents are like frantically like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Let's, let's go do that. That sounds good. That sounds good. Fresh start. <laughs> I chopped off all my hair. Really? <laughs> and I pulled a Brittany. I just, I didn't like bald, <laughs> like pixie cut. Okay. <laughs> like okay. short. And I just, yeah, I just wanted, to, I wanted to be ugly. I mm. want, I didn't want men to look at me. I didn't want to be seen. Like I just, I, I just wanted to go away and cease to exist. And yeah, it was, it was a really, really low time. How old were you at this? Yeah, I was, um, 21. Okay. I had just had my 21st kegger at my house. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, 20. What's that? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Did you have one of those, oh, Erica? You're right? 21st. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still 20. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because I went through all of like my party stages before it was even like legal for me to drink. And yeah. so, um, yeah, so low of low, um, however, that low of low points is what got me to a place where I was desperate. Like the rock bottom for me truly is my testimony, yeah. uh, reaching God at the end of ourselves. And so at the time I was actually <laughs> dating the boy next door. <laughs> um, that's a part of my story. I was dating the boy next door and his whole family were like actual legitimate, like Bible believing, walking it out Christians. Wow. And he always invited me to like all the family things and they always invited me. Meanwhile, what's significant about this is that they really were like my neighbors. <laughs> so physically, they had, yeah. were the neighbors. They were physically my neighbors mm-hmm. had like, and not even next door, like they were across the street. And so they had a window into my life. Literally. <laughs> like they saw everything. So they knew. Oh yeah. You oh. had addictions. Oh, they, well. Okay. Everyone knew, but it was never actually said, okay. you know? And so, but what's so significant about that is because like, like if you found out that your son was dating a girl like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Would yeah. you be inviting her over for Sunday dinners? It'd well, probably be not pretty, when he was there. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, man, that was, that, that was like so significant. Now during this like two month low, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going anywhere. But before that, like, while like living in this lifestyle, they always had me over, had me in their lives. Um, I was always welcome. The door was always open to me. They were always so kind and like, they knew, like they knew, Mm. they knew what I was doing and, uh, just loved me anyways. And, um, so it was during this two month period that I ended up coming to a place where I was, I was just done. Um, I, it's the first time that I had ever like actually legitimately contemplated suicide and like just ending it all, taking it all. And I don't know something now I know there was one morning that I came to a place where I just had this compulsion inside of me to go and talk to my neighbors. Mm. And now I know that it was the prompting of God, but 
my boyfriend wasn't even home at the time and I never showed up when he wasn't home, you know? Um, and I knew that he was at work, but something had me walk across that street anyways. And I walked across the street and I knocked on the door and his mom answered. And I just remember staring at her and losing it and just bawling my eyes out and saying, I need to know how you know that God is real. Well, I'm going to cry again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and she just grabbed me and hugged me and held me and invited me in. And we sat down at her table and she shared the gospel with me. I don't even remember honestly what she said. I just remember that like Jesus was my answer Mm -hmm. and I had to place my trust in him and accept him as not only the savior, but the Lord of my life. And I just remember feeling every range of emotion that a human can experience in like one moment. Mm. Um, And the first one was actually disgust. Like I came to a place where I was so broken over my own sin and just over the depth of my depravity. And I was just faced with this reality of me being completely unable to rectify my own brokenness. And so I was just in this place of like pure desperation, like either like I'm going to cease to exist or something is going to come into my life. And that something was Jesus. And, um, I also remember feeling like incredibly elated. Like I don't even like floating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, There was just this excitement in me, this anticipation, this joy that I had never experienced in my life before. Like this true, deep, ultimate fulfillment. I mean, just this, this radiant hope that I had never had in my life. Mm -hmm. It was like all of a sudden, all 21 years made sense and clicked. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, it was the most beautiful moment of my life. I mean, you know, I, I had one of those stories, like I didn't like, I wasn't, I don't know. I don't even know what that feels like. Like both of my boys were saved at yeah. Four and five, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and I have journaled their stories yeah, <laughs> so that hopefully they yes. can remember that, you know? Um, but I like, I have this profound moment in my life of just God picked me up from my wreckage and cleaned me off and made me completely brand new. Mm-hmm. And like, when I say new creation in Christ, like I became a new creation in Christ. I walked back across the street as a brand new mm. creation. And, and like, what did it look like then? Yeah. Well, like, like Lauren A and Lauren and B. And Lauren B. <laughs> um, man, I immediately, um, Oh, I, sh- I should mention during that, during that low, my mom did find out that I was a drug addict. Actually, my, the boyfriend that I was dating told my mom good, and, good. and came clean. And so, she um, also helped me to detox off of drugs during that two months. I had friends sneaking me drugs. And as soon as she found that out, I was no longer able to see. So there was like a, you know, I was isolating myself, but there was also like a necessary right. isolation happening as well. 
So during that time, my mom was very, very protective over me. And when I like told her that, um, I was saved, she had no idea what that meant. (laughs) Um, I just told her like, mom, I found God. Like I found Jesus. Like I, I love Jesus now and I want to start going to church. And so, uh, my mom has always just been such a big support of me. And she's always just been one of my biggest cheerleaders, even when I was in like the midst of crazy, you know, she's just always been there. And she's always loved me in every place that I've ever been at. So, okay. All right. Well, I'm not letting you out of my sight. (laughs) So (laughs) let's go to church together. Wow. Um, She had conversations with uh, some women that she had worked with about like, do you know any churches in the area? Now, like, mind (laughs) you, you have to understand like, this whole like, um, like mega church wasn't a thing for my mom growing up. Like it was literally, and like, we were from new England. Like it was Catholicism. (laughs) She's like, so church, huh? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so she basically, if it keeps her off drugs, I guess we'll do church. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so we had this, um, this church that had been planted in our community, it was still really small at the time, but it was a, it was a community church. And so, uh, I ended up trying to go with my boyfriend at the time's family. Um, and it just, it just wasn't the right fit. And so my mom brought me to this other place. And for the first time in my life, I felt like this sense of belonging, Mm. like that I was with my people. Yeah. And I had always longed for that, you know, but I was welcomed and accepted with open arms, um, more than open arms with like excitement. Like, you know, I don't, I'm like fresh meat. (laughs) Right. Right. But everyone was like super excited and so welcoming and like invited me to everything like Bible studies, um, just like friend hangout groups, you know, and I was desperate for connection because I had left everything. Like I, the only friends that I had were addicts. And that's kind of like the number one rule when you come out of addiction is like, you can't hang out with the friends that you were hanging out with because you'll go right back into it. And so, uh, I really had no one. And so this group of people just, they're amazing. Um, so they welcomed me right in and at that church, they had this program And it was for like young college age people, uh, to basically become like ministry trained. And it was a ministry school discipleship program, but it was like a full on commitment. Like you had to, you couldn't have a job and do this school. You, um, they had a a bunch of things. They wanted you completely dedicated and really concentrated on what it was that you, that you were there for, which was to strengthen your relationship with God and figure out the calling mm-hmm. that he had on your life. And so they played these like promo videos <laughs> on, in church for it. And here I am just like, uh, I remember actually making like a promise to God, like, Lord, if I gave that much of myself to the world and got absolutely nothing in return, I will give at least that much of myself to you. Yeah, And yeah. So that was like the most like dedicated thing that you could do for Jesus yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in our age group and in our church. And so I was like, yeah, sign me up. Okay. And so I remember going back and forth with my poor mom and dad. I just, I've brought them on so many like adventures in, in life, <laughs> good and bad. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and my mom was just like, okay, here we go. You know, just another one of those things. And she actually fought me pretty hard on it because there was a tuition and I had just blown like $20,000 for one semester Ouch. of college and yeah. bless their hearts. They, um, still were like, oh, all right, if this is where you feel like you need to be and it was healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, it was connection. So they were like, go, mm-hmm. yeah, do it. All right. And you even have to like go on mission trips. And my mom is like, now you're going where? And they do like <laughs> the, a little bit less like, uh, Juarez, Mexico, uh, Bogota, Colombia, like some of these mm-hmm. places that are a little bit less, less reached yeah. than some, a little bit more dangerous maybe. Yeah. Um, and so of course, yeah, my mom was a good sport. So anyways, I ended up going to this ministry school. Um, I did two years of that. And in that, uh, that's where I figured out that like, you're supposed to read your Bible every day and, and pray and all those, the spiritual disciplines and like what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. Right. And a lot of people ask me like, how have you been so successful? Cause I'm, uh, that was when I was 21. And so I've been, I'm 35 now. And so I've been clean and sober for 14 years. And like, how, how have you been so successful without going to rehab? And I'm actually a big believer in rehab. I don't, I don't know that you could come out of addiction without some sort of behavioral pattern, um, changing something Mm. to help you alongside that. And I always tell people like, I did go to rehab. It just didn't look like everyone else's rehab, but they absolutely taught me like what new living looked like and how to function within this new world. They taught me all of that. And so it really laid this foundation for like a life dedicated to the Lord and what that looks like. So through that, I met my husband and we actually started dating because I was living with a family in the church. That was one of the requirements. You had to move out of your home and be like in a church family's home. So my home, they're called home sponsors. My home sponsor dad was mentoring my husband hmm. at the, t- at the nice. time. And Convenient. so, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I had actually seen him like the summer before, just cause I had a small part-time job at a bowling alley and he would come in with his son. And I was like, he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so when I came home one night and cute guy from the bowling alley was standing (laughs) in my living room, I was like beside myself, like what is happening? So to all the single girls out there, God can drop him. Yeah. Um, a hundred thousand percent. And I will say like, I was in this program. You're not allowed to date. Like that's one of the, I don't want to say you're not allowed. They strongly, they strongly encourage singleness because you're trying to figure out what your relationship with God looks like. And so, and in my second year, I had actually continued second year. They want you to start like dating safely or, you know, like just learning how God views dating and doing it that way, as opposed to our own ridiculousness. Um, and so I had actually determined, nope, my second year is going to be the Lord's too. Mm, Yeah. So cute dude, (laughs) super tempting. Uh, (laughs) Um, and yeah, uh, that was, that was a thing. Like we have a really cool testimony because 
my husband also has a past with addiction. Um, his was actually seven years that mm. he walked in like actual addiction lifestyle, like on and off, tried to get clean many times um, without success. But man, we had some broken, broken pasts and yeah. the Lord brought us together and created the most beautiful thing. Mm. Um, we were able to get, so we dated for seven months. Um, we stayed pure. Wow. Until yeah. marriage, which mm. is crazy to me to think of like someone with my kind of a past. Mm. And the Lord has just blessed us ridiculously. And so I love my husband. He's my best friend. We've been married for, uh, it'll be 11 years in March. And yeah, we have just both to the best of our ability, tried to follow Jesus in every part of our life. I graduated that college and just, and started doing home life, family life. My husband had a son from a pre previous relationship. And so I stepped right into the role of, the role of motherhood and, um, actually got a job at my church working in the media department pretty, pretty soon off after I was saved. I felt very, very called to Christian media. I had no idea what that looked like, but <laughs> I knew I needed a camera in my hand. It's actually funny if you ask like the very first pastor that I ever sat under, I remember going to him and being like, I have this feeling. I'm just going to pick up a camera and I'm going to know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that about the piano one day yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I'm great faith. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that it doesn't work that way though. I mean, I guess it could, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that he's mm -hmm. going to want you to like put in yes. some, some yeah. yeah, some effort to that. So yeah, I was working for the church in the media department and uh, learning, just so eager to learn everything about media, uh, camera production and all that stuff. And then started working for just this small production company down at our, um, where we just moved from and, uh, worked for that, uh, that place that kind of turned into this Christian school, like it morphed into, it was so weird. <laughs> um, it was the best season, like of my life as far as like ministry and that's where you got most of your camera ago. experience. Yeah. Okay. So this was um, a production company. God had me under some really talented filmmakers, and uh, they taught me a lot about everything. But I always thought that I was just a producer and that, like, I didn't actually need the camera in my hands. Okay. <laughs> and I would just be there and let everyone else all around me do all of it and right. just, like, be the visionary mm -hmm. or whatever. Right? Yeah. And so then I had babies my little boys, they were, they were born. Um, and I felt called to be a stay at home mom, which I had never felt before. So I knew that was Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's when, uh, one of my friends asked if I wanted to come alongside her in her photography company. And I was like, well, you know, it'll keep me busy and keep me kind of doing something. And, but the, the trick was, is that I had to put the camera in my hands. Yeah. And so that was the first time that, I had ever had a, a camera in my hands and man, I fell in love. Yeah. Like I've always been one of those that had to have something in my life that was creative. Otherwise I just, I don't know, something just felt empty. You know, I know that God created yeah. me to be I a creator. I think that's kind of where, um, when we met, yeah. um, that's where I found you. Like 
you had already been doing this. You kind of developed yourself. Mm-hmm. You you kind of know what you're doing a little bit now. A little bit. It's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. And then God brought you, you know, across my path. Yeah. So what's the transition there? Yeah. So we moved from Florida to South Carolina about two and a half years ago. And, uh, we knew right away that we wanted to get plugged into a church because we don't have a ton of family in the area. We wanted, we realized that we weren't beach people, that we were mountain people that liked visiting the beach. And so we just wanted to be closer to the mountains. My husband's family lives in a small mountain town, uh, not far from here. And so, yeah, but I wanted water too. So we moved to Lake Hartwell, we came up here and we ended up finding our church and, loved the style of preaching that it was line by line. I had never sat underneath a pastor that preached line by line. It was all very topical, encouraging. Well, I mean, not that line by line is not, but (laughs) Um, it was the first solid Bible teaching that I had ever sat under. And I had prayed pretty specifically. It's kind of cool to see like how the Lord brought this about, but I had prayed pretty specifically that God would allow us to go to a church that A, would feel like family, B, stood on the foundation of God's word and like the solid ministry of God's word. But then also had kind of like a specific list here, (laughs) (laughs) but also that he would use the skill sets that he had helped me develop in a a ministry that maybe didn't quite have the resources or like the staff or something like that, that I would be able to be used in that capacity. And our church had a really great thing going. Um, We had a live stream and like all all sorts of stuff. Um, But there was definitely help that was needed in that ministry. And so I was really excited to step into that and like fully throw myself in and whatever y'all need, like I'm here this isn't, this isn't mine. I full well know that yeah. any skill that I have is to bless and give back and, and help to teach the yeah. ministry of God's word. I so. remember that. I think it was just a Sunday that you came up to me and said, you know, like I kind of have the desire for some women's ministry kind of, you know, and doing some like video and stuff with it. you like, you know, whatever you think. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's exactly where I was. Yeah. That's what I needed. Yeah. That's what our ministry needed mm. at that time. And it was just like a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think we didn't meet, we didn't wait too long after that for you and I to have a sit down. Yeah. Yeah. To you know, kind of just hear your what's in your head, your talents, what you can do. Yeah. And I was like, well, I kind of have this thought and I kind of have this thought and you just ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too, because, um, before that I had never actually done, like I had like a couple of little tiny things, but I had never done production as like a one man crew. And, but I had all these like little, like trainings that I had done and like had under my belt. So to be able to like put that to, to, to use as like one functioning thing and to be able to like produce something from beginning to end was like incredibly exciting to me. And so, yeah, it's been a sheer joy to step into, um, this role and to be able to give what I like, I mean, God called me to this, like not six months after I was saved. Like I knew we all have like spiritual gifts and, and whatnot, but I knew that I knew that 
Christian media. Um, at the time I thought it was reality TV, <laughs> like Christian reality TV. Um, but you know, I, but I knew that it was always production. And so, yeah, here I am. And I am just, I'm trying to do everything that I can to just stay faithful to the calling that God has given to me. And, um, I do believe that that's Christian media media for as long as, um, that is. And I will stay faithful to the best of my ability in that. So, and you've, you have, you know, since you've been here, realized what your spiritual gifts are. Yeah. And you are mentoring women, you're discipling, you're taking, mm-hmm. you know, courses to learn how to study the Bible, yeah. learn how to teach the Bible. So it's not just Christian media. So you, you're kind of like me, you can, you can juggle quite a few things, <laughs> um, you know, and still give time for husband, family, yeah. and most importantly, your relationship with the Lord. And yeah. It has, it's, it's been fun since I've met you. I'm going to say it's been a little more busy (laughs) since I've met you. I do have big ideas. But we've, you know, together have accomplished some really fun project and things that are being used by women in our community. And we can maybe get into that later. Yep. But, um, but yeah, yours is one of those stories that very different than mine and Erica's. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of sit here just like, oh, wow, such a big change you oh, can see. Saved by grace. Yes. But I you mean, know what? It was just a big a change. Yeah. As a three and a half year old child. Yeah. Because as a three and a half year old child, as Ephesians tells us, I was an enemy of God. Yes. And I was on the other side of him. Yeah. I was a child of wrath. Yes. I had a dead spirit within me. Yeah. And whether three and a half or when Erica shares her testimony is not much older than me, mm-hmm. 21 lifestyle, each testimony, each moment of salvation is a miracle. Yeah. It's a display of God's grace. Yeah. No matter what age, no matter what the background. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to hopefully maybe the the different lifestyles here connect to a few more women. Yeah. So we're we're really grateful that, you know, God had that all planned out for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um your story has been able to help me and how I minister to women yeah. and the amount of, um, women we're able to reach. Mm. You have that specific area in your background. So yeah, I look forward to hearing, you know, a lot of the fill in the blanks for that as like we said, as it comes out in our different topics. So, yeah, absolutely. okay. Whoo, that was heavy. Yeah. That was yeah. heavy. And yep. we acknowledge that and we just want to kind of bring it down a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's time, Erica, for our little fun cup, fun cup, fun cup. And, um, these are <laughs> on the teeny- a little jingle that plays. <laughs> yeah. I know. The fun Cup yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, okay. This was, we, we actually had talked about this a little bit earlier than put it away. So um, here it is. Oh, okay. Did your parents almost name you something other than your name? <laughs> if so, what was it going to be? If not, do you like your name? Okay. I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> I was planned to be named Shelby. Yes. For oh, that was going to be the name. <laughs> yes, I thought it was so southern. I was really trying to be a southern mama because she's from Pennsylvania. Yes, married a guy from North Carolina. Yes, the mountains. The mountains. Yeah, mountain people of North Carolina. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So, and then they had a little Southern Belle daughter. And she yes. was going to name her Shelby. Yeah. Shelby. <laughs> Shelby. Fried tomatoes. Yes. I loved it. I, we went to that little town because I think it's kind of near going toward Gatlinburg or something. I don't know. And um, I loved it. I'm like, I love that name. And at that point, I had never watched. What is the movie? Like, Fried Still Green Ma- Tomatoes. Is it Fried Green Tomatoes yeah. or Still Magnolias? No. One of those. Oh, it could I don't be know. both, actually. I don't know. Maybe. It was one of those. And was it Julia Roberts that yes. was named Shelby? She's yes. in Still Magnolias. Okay. So that's so, okay, so something. I may Magnolias. have my story really mixed up. It's been a long time. But yeah, she was going to be Shelby. So yeah, mm. I, was, I was supposed to be Shelby, I'm told. I really don't feel like I look like a Shelby. I don't know what a Shelby looks like. I don't even <laughs> think I've ever met a Shelby. But when I look at myself, I don't see Shelby. I think I inhabit and, in, you know, I'm an Erica. I just Erica. am an Erica, but yes. I'm, an, I'm not a normal Erica. Yes. I'm not average Erica. <laughs> I am special because <laughs> I'm Erica spelled with a K and only and not a, a K. Mm-hmm. E-R-I-K-A. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which has been an issue because My on whole all life. the little things at those stores that have oh, names yeah, on them. C. All those gift shops. Yes. Little <laughs> jump you buy. Yes. Never, yes, has never Erica. had Erica with a K. And so when it does, like... Even, you we, get it. Yeah. Even though if it's something stupid, we, oh, yeah. we would get it. Yeah, so, you buy it. Yes. Erica Marie. Okay. So then yeah. how did Erica come about? I know that's kind of a side story. I don't, I don't know. know. I think it was just names. Like, you know, you'd think like me and her daddy being like Bible people and ministry and stuff, we'd oh, have yeah. these deep things. Like, yeah, deep, be spiritual. No, like no. we weren't that. We're just like, what names do we like? Yeah. Um, now her middle name is after my sister. Okay. And so like each of my kids have an aspect of my sister and brother. Aww. So Erica Marie. So yeah. Yeah. So that's my story. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, mine is, um, I have an older sister and from what I've been told, they thought maybe they couldn't have another child or they were struggling to have another child. I don't know all the details because I don't know. Back then people didn't tell all their stories, but maybe <laughs> another child and they couldn't. And so they had considered they wanted a boy. And so then my mom did get pregnant and she wanted a boy and I was told that I was going to be named Dennis. <laughs> and so, um, Deanna's close second. <laughs> oh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. But, and so I ended up being named Deanna. And so D E A N N A, the A is not a large A, a capital A, but I was told my father, there was this actress named Deanna Durbin back like in the olden, olden days that he liked. And that was the name. And so I've looked her up and yeah, there was a Deanna it's Durbin. A and Deanna. so, yeah, I'm Deanna Lynn. I don't think the Lynn has anything specific, but I do like my name. I hated it when I was a kid because I had the same problem that I did to my kids. It was nowhere. And Everyone I, yeah. misspells it or mispronounces yes. it. Yes. And so, yeah. But Diana. I, yeah. Yes. I answer to everything. Close. Yeah. Dina. Yeah. I answer to all of Mark them. Mark still sometimes calls you Diana. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, my father-in-law still calls me Diana. <laughs> so um, But so, yeah. So I'm, I'm good with it now, you yeah. know. And yeah. Um, yeah. Better than being a dentist. Nothing against Dennis. <laughs> Nothing against Dennis or Shelby. But yeah. yeah. So how about you, Lauren? Um, so my mom told me that originally she had the name Crystal picked out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know where it came from, but she ended up going with my grandfather's like surname. So, or not surname, but my grandfather's name. Uh, so my grandfather is Lawrence. And so she named me Lauren. And then my middle name, Elizabeth was named after my great grandmother, 
um, who is named Elizabeth. So mm, okay, yeah. nice, yep. good. That's my story. I like that you're yeah. a Lauren. Yes, yeah, you're I a like, Lauren. You're I like Lauren. Lauren. Although yeah. I didn't, <laughs> fun side story. I didn't realize that, like. My name, Lauren, was that you could like pronounce it different ways. I was like convinced, like when I moved to Florida, that anytime that someone said Lauren, that like I was like, no, that's not my name. Like that's not my name. My name is Lauren. Oh, mercy. Lauren. Because I'm from New England. And so I legitimately (laughs) thought that like there was a like difference between Lauren and Lauren. Oh, And so I would like correct people all the time. Well, wow. now that you're, you know, down south, it's Lauren. It's it's Lauren. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I know. So. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for listening to our stories. And thank you for joining us at our table. Uh, we can't wait to be with you again. And our next episode will be the story of my daughter, Erica. And we can't wait to be back with you. So join us again on our next episode of The Iron Women. Hey sisters, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We are excited and expectant for everything Jesus is going to do through these conversations. If you found this encouraging, insightful, or it just brought you some moments of joy or laughter, go ahead and share this episode with your spiritual sisters to keep today's conversation going. And come on back, hang out with us on the next episode of The Iron Women.